Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Biker Chick Chat. I'm your host, Biker Bethany, and I'm on a mission to find female riders from all over the planet because I want to know their story as to how they got into the motorcycle world. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Ray Ripple. She is a Netflix star and stunt rider. So I'm super excited to chat to her today. Hi, Ray. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. No worries. So where are you from in the world? So I actually live in Big Spring, Texas, which is out west, basically in the desert of Texas. And uh, But I'm from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which is all the area that most people know about Texas. So, but I'm more out west in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. So what's the riding scene like out there? Well, where I live, there really isn't a riding scene. I basically am the riding scene besides <laughs> like the older like banditos and like that kind of stuff. But nobody rides like we do out here. So um, basically where I'm at, nothing. But if you go up towards like Dallas and Fort Worth, you have like the DFW Dyna crew. And then like if you go out towards Zivaldi, there's, you know, the Texas, what I forget what they're called, but there's a group out there that does riding. And then the Houston Dyna crew in Houston. So like if you go into the bigger cities of Texas, there's uh there's definitely a riding scene, but just not in West Texas, which I'm hoping to change that. Hopefully, like, we can bring some people out here and start riding. Yeah, for sure. It, it can be like that, can't it, in more countryside places. I guess maybe because there's not as many people, then that could have a bit to do with why there's not as many riders as well. Um, but, yeah, it's like, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, I live in the countryside, and I love being in the countryside, but there's not a massive amount of riders where I am either. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, our, where I live, like, have you ever seen, like, Mad Max and, like, the Thunderdome and stuff like that? That's... Yeah literally where I live <laughs> like it's just the heart and soul of the oil and gas industry so basically there's no grass there's no trees there's nothing really pretty to look at we got a lot of great roads but um most of everything out here is like just like the Thunderdome <laughs> oh my gosh that's mad so lots it's of crazy you can play do your stunts and everything practice your stunts Oh, yeah. So there's an abandoned airport that's like um, probably five, ten minutes from my house. And so we, that's where we usually go out there and ride because most of it, it used to have um, it used to be an Air Force base. And then the Air Force base moved and then it ran two or three different prisons, I think. And then those prisons shut down. And so now there's literally nothing out there. It's just wide open concrete pads massive concrete pads and so uh we go out there and practice a lot of our stunting there is a fire department that's across where we do a lot of our stunts so it's kind of cool because if we hurt ourselves we have like instant like medical attention <laughs> so it's kind of a win-win situation for all of us 
Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Like just to have the space to be able to go and do that kind of thing is definitely something it seems like the States has over the UK, for example. That's something we lack is have finding those areas and having the space to do things like that. Really? For sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's so hard to find anywhere to to practice anything, let alone like stunts, you know, it's I guess it's such a smaller land space that there's just not as much room. Well, you have your passport, so you should come to Texas. You can crash with me, and I can take you on a time of your life. <laughs> Do you know what, Ray? I'm actually going to take you up on that. <laughs> I would love to come and uh, check out the riding lifestyle, especially like Texas is somewhere I haven't been before. I'd be very intrigued to see what it's like. Dude, anytime. We have extra motorcycles that you can crash here, so it's perfect. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you riding at the moment? Uh, I'm riding the new El Diablo, the LD. Nice. Are you loving yes. it? Yes. Oh, my God. I love it. Like, I actually haven't been able to ride for, like, the last week or so because I just got my new SPC uh, V-Twin exhaust for it. I got the big war exhaust for it. And so I've been having some problems with tuning, but I think I've got it figured out. So I'm hoping that that situation is taken care of but uh i absolutely love it the only thing i hated about it is the exhaust the stock exhaust that comes on it it's so quiet it kind of sounds like something out of like the jetsons like you know it's like it just like buzzes down the road it sounds like a scooter and i absolutely hate that because it's such a beautiful motorcycle and it's so like mean looking and it should sound mean looking you know yeah, so. for sure. I know what you mean. It's a classic. All stock Harleys come with quiet pipes, don't they? It's not. It's not the pipes you want and what you relate no. to Harley, is it? <laughs> yeah. So I, whenever I got the LD, so I actually have fell in love with the El Diablo. Like back in like February or March of this year, I got the opportunity to go um, visit the York Operations Plant in Pennsylvania. I got a private tour. It's really cool. And that motorcycle was still a concept at that time. Like, they didn't know when they were going to release it. They didn't know how many. They didn't even know if they were going to keep the name El Diablo when I saw it. But I just knew when I saw it in February, March, that I had to have this motorcycle. Like, this was it. This was the one. And then... I went and rode across Canada, like all through BC and Alberta. And um, when and I got to ride a brand new Street Bob, which that's the first brand new motorcycle I've ever been able to ride. Because everything that we have is like 2008 and under. So it's a different kind of Harley after, after that point, like especially the newer ones. They handle different. Everything about a Harley Davidson is completely different in the new motorcycles. And so I kind of became spoiled to, like, the ABS and all the little things that the brand-new motorcycles offered. And so whenever I came home, I was like, that's it. I'm buying a new motorcycle. I'm spoiled. I don't even want to ride my Sportster anymore. <laughs> like, I just want a new motorcycle. And then uh, I was looking at the new Lowrider ST, and uh, I had looked at a couple of different ones at different dealerships, but I just wasn't really happy with the price because a lot of – the dealership sometimes can get like price price gouge you basically, 
And so thank God I didn't like any of their prices because lo and behold, on my birthday, September 1st, Harley Davidson drops the El Diablo. And I was like, that means it's a sign. It's got to be my motorcycle. <laughs> so I got one. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I love that. It's such a cool bike. And uh, just the paint on it and everything is uh, I think it's super cool that they've done that even on a stock bike because they don't really tend to do many cool paint jobs like that do they off, off the back no they don't and I know this is the second of the icon series and so like the first one I believe was like blue and white it was like a street glide or something I can't remember but this is the second of that series so I really hope that they continue this series especially bringing back the classic motorcycles because this is a rendition of the 1983 FXRT, the first of the touring motorcycle. And so the fact that they're keeping that classic club style with this paint and what they've done, like I said, the only thing I hated is the exhaust. But um, it's really cool to see them bringing all these really cool classics back in time from back in time into the future which, I mean, honestly, I feel like Harley Davidson is finally like listening to their clients and their customers as far as what they want and what they want to see in future motorcycles, which should hopefully drive better sales versus, you know, having more like older motorcycles, like used motorcycle cells versus like new motorcycle cells, if that makes sense. Hopefully there'll be a lot more newer motorcycle cells versus older, you know, purchasing yeah. used yeah totally i totally get what you mean there that's a good point actually so why were you finding the bigger bike compared to your sportster then if that's what you're usually used to well i think um and i don't know maybe it's just me it could just be my opinion but um my sportster when i ride my sportster like i have to respond to the bike like every time I ride, anytime something happens, like I have my reaction time has to be reacted to what the bike is doing versus like the newer, the newer motorcycles, they respond to what I'm doing. So it's like the bike takes care of you. It's like a weird, I don't know how to explain it, but I have to take care of the sportster and then the LD takes care of me type situation, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's a cool way of putting it, actually. Yeah, I like that. Look, it is completely different, isn't it? Even like I rode the uh, Nightster. I've done a trip on that this year. That's what I, I have. Thought... I have the Nightster. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So that is ultra modern as well, isn't it? It's like. <laughs> yeah. You mean the new one or the old one? Well, the old one. So my OA Sportster was a Nightster. And then, uh, of course, like I've done a whole bunch of stuff to it. So it's really realistically kind of not the Nightster anymore. But, um, yeah, that's what bike I had. Did you ride the new Nightster? Yeah, I rode the new one. Yeah. Do you like so it? Was... Do you know what? It was like... It completely, I didn't see it as a sportster, you know, it was its own thing because I've got a, an iron, an 883 iron, so I'm used to that still quite old, it is kind of old school in its own way, you know, you clunk up and down the gears, you can't find neutral, it's a bit like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what mine does. 
<laughs> yeah, right. So riding the new Nightster was like, wow, this is so smooth. It's like a completely different bike within itself. And in respect of that, like the smoothness, sure, I loved it. Um, but you'd want to do mods on it, wouldn't you, to make it its own and make it a bit more like a the sort of Harley you expect it to be, really. Yeah, it's so weird how it, like, doesn't feel like a Harley. It almost feels kind of like a sport bike in some way. That's kind of how the LD feels. That's kind of how the Street Bob felt when the one that I rode in Canada. It just, like, feels like a sport bike. It's so weird. I don't know. It's not, it doesn't feel like, you don't have that vibration. You don't have any of that, you know? So it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no vibration. Like, I've basically vibrate off my bloody sports day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can relate, definitely can relate. <laughs> so will you be stunting on your El Diablo? Oh, fuck yes. I'm just waiting on my crash bar to come in. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It should be here tomorrow. So uh, I got the the, the Cruzy K-Bar is what I got for it. And so, which, I mean, he's everything stunting. So if any, like, crash bar is going to protect this motorcycle, it's going to be the Cruzy K-Bar. And so um, it should be here tomorrow, which means there may be a video uploaded this weekend. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. But, uh yeah, I definitely fully intend on riding the hell out of this motorcycle. I know a lot, it's a collector's item, and a lot of people think that I'm crazy for doing it that way, but, you know, I didn't spend $35,000 on a motorcycle to not ride it. And, um, you know, it's going to stay a part of the family. It's not ever going to be sold or traded in or any of that kind of stuff. It'll eventually be my son's bike, and... Um, the company I, that painted these motorcycles is in Colorado because these weren't painted at the factory. So these were painted, hand painted by uh, like an actual motorcycle shop in Colorado. So as long as I like got a little savings to get it repainted in case I crashed it, like I'm good. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? I totally like respect that it's you spent all this money on a bike and it it's there to be ridden at the end of the day and your thing is doing your stunts and everything so why not do your thing of on course it? exactly and i mean i know a lot of people like wheelie and stuff like that i probably am not going to let josh wheelie it because i'm not really into wheelies but um more just the good old indian larry but um even like wheelies probably not going to do that but as far as standing definitely 100% going to be standing I, especially because it rides so good i can only imagine and i have cruise control now so i could probably go a whole lot longer so it may be just off to my game so we'll see <laughs> yes mate that is one thing isn't it with the new bikes is having cruise control that is amazing yeah it's so nice so nice so spoiled so spoiled <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into stunts in the first place well when you ride with a bunch of jackasses you gotta kind of start riding like a jackass too in order to keep up and I was basically kind of tired of being left behind and so that's kind of how that part of me birthed I've always been kind of a feral woman I think as it is and I've always liked to push the limits and test the boundaries and 
you know, I have a great insurance policy, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. It's if you're if you're guided by a group like that, I guess you want to keep up and kind of follow suit in a way. Oh yeah, and you know, I started riding a motorcycle. I'm like kind of late in the game to riding a motorcycle. Most people have been exposed to motorcycles their whole life. And I never really was exposed to motorcycles. I mean, I was, but I wasn't. Like, just here or there type situation. And I remember reading Easy Rider magazine as a kid. And, well, more just looking at the photos, you know, not necessarily reading it. And so, like, I've been kind of exposed to it, but not like some people. And so when I got into the game, I mean, I had ridden dirt bikes and, like, that kind of stuff. But... Um, I got into it for, like, all the wrong reasons. Like, I literally got into riding a Harley because I wanted to be reckless. And then um, it ended up changing a lot of things inside of me and, like, in my mental health and in my brain. And it quiets a lot of things. And so in this weird sense, it kind of gives me a, an inner peace that I never had before when, realistically, I bought the motorcycle for the chaos, you know, and... And it's the complete opposite of what I bought it for, which is kind of funny how Harley does that to you. Yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's, I think all riders can connect with that side of it, can't they? Where it's like, when you get on your bike, that's, that's all you're thinking about. You're just thinking about the riding, enjoying being on the bike, and it does quiet down other things that's going on in your mind. Yep, it really, really does. So how long have you been riding for? Uh, so riding Harleys for about three years, maybe a little over three years. Okay, cool. So you started with your Nightster, Sportster, and then yeah. what did you move up to next? The LD. I went straight full more into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's awesome. Now I do have a I do have a shovel head. I have an eighty one FLH that was given to me like two years ago. It's still not running. Every time I have gotten it running, something else happens, <laughs> and so it's now. I mean, I got it running, and now the motor is completely out of it. So like, either oh. way, like it's this a chain of events, a chain reaction of the different things that just keep messing up on it but eventually one day I will write it but I actually that one um was given to me as like a trade I was like replacing four pans and like scouts for this guy in town and he was like hey I got this this motorcycle if you want it I I mean I don't know if it runs I don't know anything about it except for I knew the owner that had it um, and that he had like rewired some things on it. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And I, oh my God, what a nightmare. The wiring's been, got that all done, got it, like literally got everything going. And then it was running and then turned it off and me and Josh were high-fiving and like, yeah, we finally got it running. We're fixing it right this bitch, right? And then went to turn it on again and then started pooping oil out of the primary. And so it's just been one thing after the next. So after we started pulling it apart, we started seeing other things that were wrong with it. So now going to rebuild it the right way. So we pulled it out and we're just going to basically rebuild it from the ground up. Oh, wow. It's quite a big project then. But that yeah. Got it all oh, together. yeah. Yes. And then, so now my sportster, my son inherited my sportster. He's 13. He's about to be 14. And so he's in the stunt game too, or trying to get into the stunt game. He has a Grom, 
and he's been wheeling the Grom and like doing stuff on that. And so since I got a new motorcycle and the Sportster's kind of a smaller motorcycle anyways, naturally, um, he jumped on it, dude. And he just, he is so fearless and he rides that thing like he stole it. I, I'm here for every minute of it. So I have this strange feeling he'll probably be wheeling it probably by the end of next summer. Oh, wow. That is absolutely incredible. That is absolutely amazing. And I love that you're teaching your son to do stunts. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know, it's two things. If Well, he's homeschooled, so he spends a lot of time with motorcycles already naturally just because he's at home all the time. And so... Uh, Getting kids involved in motorcycles or getting boys involved in motorcycles, too. He'll never have time or money for drugs or girls. And so it worked out well for me. You planned this out so well. I did. I did. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So with your El Diablo, then, what kind of mods do you think you're going to be doing to it? Like you've got the pipes and your crash bars. Is there anything else that you think you're going to want to do? Well, I just uh, did the whole bar and riser setup. It's got a new seat. It's got a Lapera, like a custom Lapera seat uh, on it that has El Diablo, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm waiting on my grips to come in so I can get my new Speed King bars on it. But I have a whole Speed King setup on the front. And then, you know, I just replaced the floorboards and, you know, shift linkages and all of that kind of cool stuff. Just like little mods here or there, just trying to make it look better. I think uh, once the tune we get the tune right the exhaust should give it a couple of more horsepower but um i want to cam it i think that would be so sick to cam it but it's still under warranty so i don't know if i want to avoid my warranty yet <laughs> and just put a cam in it and go from there but uh because i well, i mean it was not going to avoid the warranty if i put a harley cam in it but like i don't know if i want to put a harley cam in it so let's see what happens Okay, cool. Oh, that's awesome. I guess at least like when you buy on a bike like that, it already looks so cool, doesn't it? Like there's mm -hmm. only really little things that I suppose are to be done because it already looks so sick. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Just little things like changing those derby covers and like putting new floorboards on it and like the little linkages here or there. The bar and riser setup changed the entire way that I sit on the bike, which is nice. I sit more back, which is even better. And then the seat, of course, changed everything. So I think uh, I think it already looks really mean, which is really good. That's exactly what I want it to look like. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, right, I'm going to move on to some like fun questions and games kind of thing. Ooh, so, I like this. So first of all, I've been having a scroll through your Instagram and I found a couple of pictures that I'd like you to explain and tell oh. me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I've got to say, there was so many pictures. I was like, mm, what's this one? What's this one? It was, <laughs> it was hard to choose. But let's start with this one here. Can you see that? Oh, the armadillo. <laughs> yep, I can. So can you explain this picture? There's going to be some of our uh, listeners on listening to this on a podcast, not visually seeing it on YouTube. So can you explain the picture and tell me what's going on there? 
Well, I'm kissing Matthew McConaughey is what's going on. Uh, no, I, uh, that's the armadillo's name is Matthew McConaughey. Uh, that's kind of where the picture came from is because I, I mean, what girl doesn't want to kiss Matthew McConaughey? So that's kind of what that is, which the armadillo was such a really cool piece for me to build. Um, because it was big and it's a staple for Texas, obviously. And Matthew McConaughey lives in Texas. So, um, yeah, it was just something fun. Thought it was great. That's awesome. So, cause you're a welder, right? Yes. So did you make this, the whole armadillo yourself? Oh yeah. Anything that you see on my Instagram, I'm me, myself and I only employ like that's it. What you see I make. That's amazing. So how long have you been welding for? Uh so I actually fell into welding late in the game also. I've been welding for about eight years, but I've been working for myself for about three or four years now. Um so I was never exposed to welding as a kid, besides being in West Texas and being, you know, in the oil field type situation. So when I started welding, I was already painting on canvas and I was doing a lot of stuff with metal, but like with rivets and bailing wire and like ten sips. And I just wanted to take my work to the next level, and I knew I needed to learn how to weld. And at the time that I was trying to learn how to weld, there really wasn't a lot of women in the industry. And realistically, we weren't really allowed in the industry. And so trying to find somebody to teach me how to weld was, like, few and far between. And then uh, I started watching YouTube videos, and I did sign up for a class at my college, uh, welding class, but then he handed me a book, and my little ass is super dyslexic, and so I dropped the class and taught myself how to weld on YouTube, and now I'm doing it for a living. <laughs> oh, wow, that is incredible. And you've been on a Netflix show as well. Yeah, I did. I did Metal Shop Masters. Uh, we filmed in 2020 and it was released in 2021. So it's been out for about a year now. Um, craziest shit I've ever done in my life. <laughs> but uh, it was super awesome. Pushed me out of my comfort zone, which is what I needed in my life. So Sure. And so for anyone that doesn't know about the show, can you explain a little bit about it? So uh, it's a metal fabrication competition show, but it's based around art and uh, the builds of art. And so you have 10 hours to build these crazy elaborate sculptures that you would spend months on probably at home, uh, which is super unrealistic. Like 10 hours to build a massive sculpture is the hardest thing I've ever done. But uh that's basically the gist of it. But spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, you have to watch the whole thing because uh, your girl made it all the way to the end. So go ahead and watch it all the way through. <laughs> I'm going to cue applause there. <laughs> that is incredible. I love that. So, um, right. What is one of your most scariest or dangerous moments you've had whilst riding? Ooh, uh, well, I wish I could say I don't crash a lot, but I do kind of crash a lot. So <laughs> I can't really, but the worst crash I've ever had, most of my crashes are always like while I'm at a stop, I guess you can say, or coming to a stop, you know, because your girl be coming in hot sometimes. <laughs> so I think that, but uh, I did, when I first started riding, 
Um, I, uh, I wasn't like super 100% comfortable with the bike yet, but, uh, this is where I learned to respect the motorcycle is, uh, I was leaving the gym and I was just mobbing through town in gym clothes. And, um, at the time it was still a nightster. The bike was still a nightster. So it had forward controls on it. Cause it was a dude that had it before me. And so I could not reach, I'm like five foot two, I'm tiny. And so I could not reach the, the back brake on, you know, the forward controls. And so I was just waiting for my men controls to come in. Well, I was cruising down Greg Street, which is the main street in, here in town, and this box trailer and truck um, pulled out in front of me, and it was either hit the back of the box trailer and truck or mash the front brake and come to a complete stop. The bike could do whatever, I do whatever, and I don't hit the truck, and that's exactly what I did. I mashed the front brake, I flew over the bike, the bike did its own thing, and oh my god, talk about one of the most terrifying moments of my life, because now I'm in the middle of Greg Street, and second, I don't want anybody to know it's me that crashed, <laughs> because in this town, everybody knows who I am, so I think I was more worried about that, too, so I just picked up my bike and walked it across the street to Taco Bell, which was literally right across the street, and so... This, like, little southern family uh, watched the whole thing happen <laughs> at Taco Bell. And so, like, pulled up next to me. And, like, I, I, like, remember sitting on my bike. And I still had my helmet on and everything. Because I was not taking it off. Because I didn't want nobody to know I crashed. And so I'm looking at myself. And I'm looking at my legs. Making sure I'm not broken. I'm bleeding in a couple of areas. I had some road rash on my arms. Not nothing big. And then um, I check the bike make sure it was going and I just kept thinking to myself like I hope this bitch starts please just start like all I care about is this thing starting and so they pull up next to me right this little southern family and this mom goes oh my god are you okay I swear you just took like a big old table topple back there and I was like yes ma'am if that's what you want to call it <laughs> and um then uh, I, I was like yeah I'm good and then whenever I went to go start I was like I just hope this thing starts and she's like, well, I can wait and not go anywhere to make sure it starts. And I was like, well, obviously, you're not going to be able to do anything to help me at this point. <laughs> like, I'm going to have to have it towed if it doesn't start. And so um, I was like, no, ma'am, it's cool. I've got it under control. You can go. So she went. And after she left, I just, like, took a deep breath. And then I looked at my handlebars. And, like, this one was bent all the way in. I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to ride it all like that. And then I, like, went to start it. And it started, and I was like, oh, thank God. So I rode it home, literally, with my handlebars bent completely in like this. And then whenever I got it home, I remember just looking at it and thinking to myself, like, I'm going to have to fix this and get back on it right away. Because if I don't, I'm going to become scared of it, and then I'm never going to get back on it again. Because I had only been riding for like a month after that. So I hadn't been riding for very long. And... Um, so I did. I ordered a new set of handlebars, another set of stock handlebars, fixed some of the damage that was on it, and because uh, I didn't have crash bars on it there either, so I fixed some of my, you know, the damage that was on it, and got back on it like later that week. And I was terrified of motorcycles for a long time, and but honestly, I'm kind of glad that it happened the way that it happened because. Like, it's riding a motorcycle is like taking a, a woman on a first date, you know? You got to butter her up before you can, like, you know, start making love to it. And that's basically 
what happened is I was like, I was ready to hit, you know, home base immediately when you've got to take the time to understand your motorcycle, understand how it's going to move, how it's going to react to you, all of those things, especially on older motorcycles that don't have ABS or any of that kind of stuff. And so after that moment, I went out to the airport and I would literally like haul ass and then I would slam on the brakes and then I'd haul ass and then I'd slam on the back brakes and then I would haul ass and then I would turn and I would haul ass and do whatever just to kind of see what the bike was going to do. Um, like in general, so that way it would make me a better rider. And I'm really glad that I did it that way because now I know what the bike's going to do. Now I know how the bike's going to react when I do slam on the brakes or when something does happen. My reaction time is also better and it keeps me calmer during an event where maybe there might be a crash. Yeah, for sure. It's just made you respect the bike and understand sort of how it works, I suppose. Oh, yeah, for sure, especially when you're not an experienced rider. And going from riding dirt bikes to a Harley is two totally different things. And I think a lot of people have, yeah, and a lot of people have this, like, understanding that riding a motorcycle is like riding a motorcycle. It doesn't matter what kind of motorcycle. They all ride completely different. Like, the Grom rides completely different than a dirt bike. The dirt bike rides completely different than a motorcycle, like a Harley or like a bigger motorcycle. I know a sport bike rides completely different than a Harley. So like, it's just every single bike, it's just like a woman. Every single bike is, every single thing is different. You just got to learn them. Take the time to learn it instead of just full bore, full sin like I did it. <laughs> That's a good one. So what's been one of your most happiest or most cherished moments you've had on two wheels? Uh, two. I have two moments. Uh, so the first one is I got this stunt uh, for Roadkill Nights, which is a huge drag race in Michigan, Pontiac, Michigan. And um, Roadkill Garage for Mona Trend, they hold this race. And this year, they asked me to stunt in it, which was pretty cool. I got to stunt down the drag strip, which was probably one of the most thrilling moments of my life on my motorcycle. Because if you would have told me when I bought this motorcycle that I would be doing that, I would have told you you were crazy. And so it was really cool to, to do that. Now, trying to do a burnout on a sticky drag strip, not necessarily something you should ever try because <laughs> you're going to get stuck. And that's exactly what I did. I got stuck, which is kind of funny now. So I'm cool with it. But uh, so that's definitely one of those really cool moments. But I think the the most incredible moment I've ever had on my motorcycle was riding the LD next to my son on my Sportster at 13. So I think that right there was probably one of the greatest moments of my life because for one, it's my son, you know, and he's riding my first motorcycle, which is now his first real motorcycle next to me on my first brand new motorcycle. It's just such an exhilarating uh, feeling as a parent. Like, maybe I'm doing something right after all, you know? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I bet that's a, a picture in your head, if not on paper, right? Oh, I got one, girl. I will send you a picture as soon as we get off the phone. <laughs> oh, yes. I'd love to see it. I'd love yes. to see it. Yes. So, what's your dream bike? Or do you have it already? 
I already have it. I already have it, girl. Like, this one, uh, I don't even know how to explain the feeling of having this motorcycle. Well, I mean, and when you grow up in situations like I've grown up in and, like, you've lived the life that I've lived, having this motorcycle is like, like, damn, I finally made it. Like, like, it's okay. Everything's okay. Like, so it's this one for sure. I mean, I would love to have a chopper. I would love to have one of everything if I could, you know. Um, I think my next find is probably going to try to be an 80s model FXRT. I think that would be super cool, uh, especially if I can find one with a shovel head in it because they only made um, that motorcycle with a shovel head in it, I think, like one year, maybe two, I think. So if I could find one that has the shovel head in it, that would be super sick. So um, I think besides the bike that I have right now, the model it was based after would probably be my next dream motorcycle. Sure, sure. <clears throat> so these, these questions are slightly off topic, but they're going to link back around to my following questions. So okay. firstly, what's your favorite food? Oh, all food. Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with the food. I will literally, like, dude, I'm the easiest kidnap victim. Somebody could be like, bro, I got some tacos and donuts in this van. We fixing to go back to my house and party. And we're like, all right, Jeffrey Dahmer, let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. You want to take pictures of me eating the tacos? I'll take, I mean, we could do all of the things. Like, <laughs> that is literally my relationship with food, if that's not a relationship with food. <laughs> so you like food. I think we've cleared that one up, right? <laughs> yes. I will literally plan every day of my life around food if possible. So uh, I think favorite foods are definitely tacos and donuts, Mexican food, uh, pizza, cereal, honey buns. <laughs> You know, all of it. Food. <laughs> yes. Food. All the good food. Well, food. well, I spent, uh, so I like, I was uh, in the fire department for a couple of years. And while I was a firefighter, like my diet was extremely strict. Um, I did not like cheat. I did not nothing. I literally went to the gym two, three hours a day, every single day. Um, for years. And then when COVID happened and uh, the gyms closed down, I was kind of forced to be in love with like my mom bod and like kind of just accept myself the way that I am. And <clears throat> granted, I lost all my muscle, lost all my gains, all of that kind of stuff. But man, is it nice eating two honey buns before bed and a bowl of cereal and all of the things I never got to eat. So I don't even know if I want to go back. Like, I'm kind of cool with this life, you know? <laughs> I know. It, there, there's sacrifices to be made for a healthy lifestyle, isn't there? But you've got to make yeah. it a lifestyle, haven't you? Otherwise, it's too easy to slip. Well, and you know, the gym for me, too, was uh, very, like, I don't know how to explain it other than, like, when I was in the gym, I became very self-absorbed, but it wasn't, like, a self-absorbed as in, like, damn, I'm 
the hottest fish on the planet. Like, it wasn't like that. It was just, I became obsessed with the flaws. I became obsessed with the things that I couldn't change that were just a part of my natural body because everybody has a different body type. There's no one specific body type that's the right body type. And I have the mom bod, and I became obsessed with trying to fix that. But was I really trying to fix it for me or was I trying to fix it so I could look good for other people? And I realized that. And so I just, I'm really glad that I left the gym because I had a very unhealthy relationship with food. I had a very unhealthy relationship period with my body and the way I felt about myself. And so now I'm just a whole lot of, I don't really give a fuck. I'm just here to live my best life and when I die, I want cheeseburgers in my belly, not chicken. <laughs> I love it. So, what's your favorite or dream destination? Paris, France. Oh. Paris. Yes, I have been obsessed with Paris since I was a little girl. And so I still haven't made it there. I have made it in a magazine there, which was pretty cool. So I'm almost there. But um, Paris. And then London, England would definitely be my second choice. Because uh, I uh, I did this, like, ancestry, like, 23andMe DNA test. Because uh, I don't really know a lot about my family history. And it turns out I'm, like, 96% British, apparently. Really? Oh <laughs> a screenshot of it because it's literally like the craziest thing ever like I have one parent who apparently is uh full-blooded Brit and like not to talk shit about my mom or anything but like her I guess and the milkman had a relationship I'm not really sure and so that's probably where it came from so I don't know if you know like if my dad's my real dad or type you know type situation so um it's just really cool so that's my number two but Paris and then the UK. Nice. Okay. And then the last question is, what's your favorite car? Ooh. 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 Uh, probably uh, and it's 69 AMC AMX is what it is. A lot of people don't really know what an AMC AMX is, but, uh, man, I've only seen one in real life, like literally one time. And, uh, ever since then, I think I saw it when I was like 14 or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I've been in love with that car ever since. <laughs> Brilliant. So now we're going to play a game of would you rather? Ooh, so I like prepare. this game. Prepare to get emotional. Right. I'm, so, I'm ready. <laughs> would you rather be able to eat? I mean, this 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 mod might not work so much because you love all food so much, but I'm going to just choose donuts for the sake of okay. this. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Would you rather be able to eat donuts all day, every day, as much as you like? or be able to ride your Diablo all day, every day, but you can't have both. If you choose the Diablo, never ever any donuts again, but you could have Damn. a donut and then never have your El Diablo. Man, what a situation you just put me in. <laughs> 
probably I probably give up donuts. I probably wow. give up donuts. The only reason why is because I still have all the other food groups. <laughs> so I can literally eat everything else. <laughs> so I, as long as I can eat anything else, then it'll be okay. Because honey buns taste a lot like donuts, so I can still kind of cheat and get the donut taste, you know? So honey buns? I don't know what they are. What? They're made by Little Debbie. I'm going to have to send you some honey buns. If y'all don't have them or you don't know what they are, I will literally put you some in the mail tomorrow. Okay, thanks, thanks. <laughs> so, would you rather have your low rider um, and ride it, ride it whenever you like, or you can give it up and go to Paris and be in Paris and live there or visit there as much as you like? Why are you putting me in such uncomfortable situations? Like, this is intense. What an intense... You weren't lying. Things are going to get fucking emotional, and I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> you know, because the LD, they only made 1,500 of them. So, honestly, I think I would give up the LD to go to Paris. Really? Okay. Yeah. So you want to go to Paris that bad? I think, but there's a there's a specific like. So we're gonna get into some emotional shit because um, you said it's gonna be emotional. So Paris for me is very uh, emotional, and it's because <clears throat> I grew up with crackheads as parents basically my parents were drug addicts and so uh you can only imagine like a little bit of what my life was like having parents of drug addicts or being a kid of drug addicts and so I ran away from home whenever I was 14 I grew up most of my teenage years on the streets and uh I had my daughter at 18 I became a stripper I mean I got pregnant with her at 17 had her at 18 I literally became a stripper at 18 um I fought and clawed my way to where I'm at right now. And so when I was a kid, being obsessed with Paris, to me, Paris was a symbol of successfulness. Like, you have fashion there. You have everything there. Like, there's just something about being in Paris I always associated with uh, success and freedom and peace and all of these incredible things. that Because you see all these celebrities and all these big people, big names in Paris. And <clears throat> I always thought that I was like basically within myself, my inner child was like, one day I'm going to make it there. One day Paris is going to be where I'm going to be. And that means I made it type situation. And so Paris for me is more than just motorcycles, more than just anything. It's literally like, it's a some it's a part of me and I've never even been there if that makes sense. It's, it kind of gave me a reason to never give up and just keep trying and keep fighting for something better. And so uh, I would definitely give up my motorcycle to go to Paris and experience Eiffel Tower and experience all of that. It is and its magicalness in <clears throat> yeah. So I would. Oh, wow. Thanks for sharing that story. I appreciate you being so honest with that one. It's that's, um, quite an incredible upbringing and to see where you've got to now, it's, it's very inspiring. Well, I'm 
mean, it's Paris. I mean, who doesn't want to go there anyways, you know? That's true. That is true. Well, I hope you fulfill your dream of getting there someday. Oh, yeah. It's on my, it's on my vision board. So, yes, absolutely going to happen. <laughs> All right. So, I, I don't want to upset you too much with the final question, but now you've got to choose between your El Diablo and the car. Oh, that old Diablo would win any day of the week. <laughs> okay, so that one wasn't so hard. Didn't have to think no, about that it. one's easy. Yeah, because I don't have an AMC AMX. Now, if I already owned one, it would be a very difficult decision. <laughs> but I don't have one. I've only seen one once and all of those things. So definitely the LD would win that one. Love it. Fair one, fair one. Okay, cool. So, so just to wrap things up then, Ray, I've got one last question for you so what advice would you give yourself when you first started riding uh probably not to full send it too much <laughs> no um honestly I think uh when you're first starting out riding or if you're looking at or you're interested in riding which I feel like women um collectively in general every woman should ride a motorcycle at least once by themselves not on the back but literally get taught how to ride a motorcycle and actually ride them one for themselves it doesn't necessarily have to be a harley it could be a grom it could be anything it could be a scooter whatever but being on two wheels so there's just something so powerful and confident building about riding a motorcycle as a woman and um, so I think my advice to new riders is, for one, respect the motorcycle, because if not, it will teach you respect real quick. But um, also to just go for it. Like, don't be scared, because being scared is um, going to restrict you, I think, in your riding. Um, but just full send, really. Even though I said don't full send, full send. <laughs> and just go for it. Um, because you may find yourself, who knows? You may find a piece of yourself that you never thought existed, and that's kind of what happened to me. And so, yeah, full send, always. I love it. That's amazing. <clears throat> Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time coming on uh, Biker Chick Chat today. It's been great to hear your Yes, yes. And, I, like, we're, we're homies now. So yes. I'm going to send you some honey buns. And when I get my ass up there in the UK, I need you to throw me around. And then when you come to Texas, I'll show you around. Of course, of course. I've got you. I've got you. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be in touch. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you on the next ones. See you. See you later.